0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerens comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. Sorry we were not able to come visit you in May. We missed you like crazy. And uh, hopefully we can come and see you pretty soon. But in the meantime, I'm able to teach with you and spend that time with you uh, every weekend, which is very enjoyable for me. And so coming from our home to your home, uh, I believe that you will enjoy this message very much. It will open your eyes to what's going on. Tackling Satan's Agenda Head-On is the title of my message. We know the devil is... Going crazy right now. Uh, It's almost like we've entered into the end times and the seven-year tribulation period. That's what it feels like. With all the madness that's going on. And so uh, I'm uh, I've I've been the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me to teach this message, to deal with this matter, all the madness that's going on right now. So I've called it. Tackling Satan's agenda head on. All right. God created everyone. We are all God's creation. Every person alive is here because God created us. There's no other way we could get here. All right. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6 will confirm that. But we know that there is only one God, the Father, who created everything, and we exist for Him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything, and through whom we have been given life. Satan was also created by God as a good angel, And his name was Lucifer. He led the worship in heaven. His being was filled with musical instruments. God never made him to be bad. God made him to be good. He has a free will. He chose to be bad. He decided he was going to kick God off his throne, sit on God's throne, and control the universe. This is called pride. There's no way a created angel can do that to God. Shows you how deceived he was. Now you can read all that in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. We're not going to do that now. You can do that in your own private study. Let us say this. Not all people are God's children. They're all made by God, created by God, but they're not all His children. Some are God's children, and the rest are Satan's children. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So because you are a believer in Jesus, you are a child of God. God is the creator of all people, but he is not the father of all people. Satan is the God and father of those who don't have Jesus in their hearts. Among God's children, there is no nationality. There is no distinction between God's children. We are all equal. There is no male, there's no men, boys, in God's family. There's no female, no woman, in God's family. We're all one in Christ. I guess you want to see that in the Bible, right? Okay, let's do that. Galatians 3, 28, reading from the New King James Translation. There is neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So God is saying there's no Jews, there's no Greeks, there's no Hispanic, there's no Zulu, there's no French, there's no Italian, there's no causa, there's nothing like that in God's family. Amen? We're all one in Christ Jesus. So, There's no white, there's no black, there's no brown. (laughs) It's amazing. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Philippians 3 verse 3 says, For we are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, And have no confidence in the flesh. Now, that verse is packed with very important information. Let's unwrap it together. All right. For we are the circumcision. So, the new Christian, the born again believer of the new covenant, is circumcised, but not in the flesh like they were in the old covenant. We are circumcised in the heart in the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was cutting off of the flesh, and the New Covenant is cutting off dependence on the flesh from the heart. When Jesus comes in, we no longer depend on the flesh, on me, I, I, I. We now depend on God. Alright? We have no confidence in the flesh. So the circumcised believer is one who has no confidence in I, in self, in who we are, what we possess. We have no confidence in our money, none in our possessions, no confidence in our position in society, no confidence in our muscles, no confidence in our achievements. We who know our nationality, we have no confidence in our nationality. No confidence in the color of our skin. No. If we have confidence in any of these things, it's all pride in the flesh. Our confidence should only come from the Word of God. Only. Romans 8.13 says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, You will live. So it's by depending on the Holy Spirit that we are able to cut off depending on the flesh. By saying things like, Father, I thank you for keeping me holy, keeping me faithful, keeping my mind and thoughts pure, keeping my heart and motives pure. Thank you for keeping me in your perfect plan. You see, I'm not trusting in any of my own abilities to do anything for God, my faith in God to help me do that. He's my strength. So, when we become a born-again believer, we become circumcised because of what I've just explained, by cutting off depending on the flesh. That is a a decision of the circumcised heart. Someone has cut off depending on the flesh. Romans 8.8 says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So those who are depending on the flesh, those who are depending on the color of their skin to get them somewhere, those who have pride in what they have and their nationality, those who have pride in their money in their bank, those who have pride in what they know and who they know, those who depend on all these things cannot please God. The most obvious sign of uncontrolled flesh is self-confidence. Self-confidence is the character of the flesh. Self-confidence is the spirit of Lucifer. It's the spirit of Satan. It was self-confidence in Satan that made him think he could kick God off his throne and sit on it, in the place of God. We need faith confidence from the Word of God. Our confidence comes from Christ alone, because He is our strength. He is our life. He is our ability. He is our wisdom. He is our healing. You got it? All those who have allowed the cross to do its work in their hearts understand how meaningless and how full of pride depending on the flesh is. I'll say it again. All those who have allowed the cross to do its work in their hearts understand how meaningless and full of pride depending on the flesh Is. For example, imagine driving home from church, all right? And the two kids are in the back seat. And uh, it was Easter Sunday. And they went hunting for Easter eggs. So the one child turns to the other child and says, I'm better than you because I've got 10 Easter eggs and you only have seven. I'm better than you. I'm more important than you because I have ten Easter eggs and you only have seven. Now, how ridiculous is that? I mean, everything we've got was given to us by God. The Bible said so. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Nothing. And now we want to boast and brag about our ten Easter eggs? That's pride, foolish pride. It's the spirit of Lucifer. I believe we should have the attitude Paul had. And this is what Paul said. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer I who live, Paul said. I'm on the cross. I'm crucified. Look at me. I am dead. But Christ is alive in me. Christ is living his life through me. That's the Paul said. We should have that same attitude. That's a heart that is circumcised. Not depending on I, I is crucified. He understands it's worth nothing. I is worth nothing. The best thing you can do for I is put it on the cross and all its possessions, and all that it has. Put it all on the cross. Let Christ live His life through us. Galatians 2.20 Alright. Now we are God's children. What qualifies them to be God's children? What qualifies me to be a child of God? John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Say that. I believe in Jesus. Therefore I have eternal life. That's life as God has it. But whoever rejects the Son, whoever rejects Jesus, will not see life. But the wrath, or God's wrath, remains on them. Wow. Those who have Jesus in their hearts are God's children. And those who reject Christ, who do not have Jesus in their hearts, God's wrath and judgment abides on them. Imagine they are one breath away from God's wrath. If they die, they have a serious problem. All right. So how do Satan's children behave? Jesus said this to the religious leaders in his day. To the religious leaders in his day. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. So Jesus is telling the religious leaders of the day, You behave just like your father, and your father is Satan, not God. And your father, the devil, was a murderer, and you are murderers in your heart. You want to murder as well because your father is a murderer. That didn't come from Dale Carnegie. (laughs) I don't think Jesus took a Dale Carnegie course on how to win friends and influence people. Nevertheless, he spoke the truth, right? Now watch this, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us, the unsaved, is under the power and control of the evil one. So we can see that the unsaved are under control of Satan, according to 1 John 5.19. Every unsaved person is under control of demons. They think like demons, they behave like demons. That's what 1 John 5.19 said. I didn't say it. Ephesians 2.1 Once you were dead, that's talking about you and me, Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan. So before we were born again, we used to obey Satan, according to Ephesians 2 verse 2. The mighty prince of the power there, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So Satan is at work in the very hearts of the unsaved. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Say that. The unsaved are blinded by demons. Alright, John 14 verse 30 I will, Jesus said, I'll no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me. So Jesus said Satan is the ruler of the unsaved folks. Right here in John 14, 30. So Satan, demons, and Satan's children are all murderers. What does God say about that? Now they might not have committed a murder, but God says that's in their hearts. And when murders happen... It's the unsaved heart that does that. I just read the Bible. That's all I did. Numbers 35 verse 33. So you should not pollute the land where you are. For blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land. So, God says there's no way you can fix the problem when blood is spilt, innocent blood is spilt on the land. No way you can fix the problem. For the blood that is shed on it, you cannot make atonement for it except by the blood of him who shed it. So, God's saying the only way you can fix the problem when blood is on the land, spilt because of innocent people being murdered, the only way that can be solved, the only problem, the only way that can be fixed is the person who murdered them. Their blood must be shed on the land. That's what God said. Okay, now Deuteronomy 19 verse 11. But suppose someone hates a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders that neighbor and then escapes to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the leaders of the murderer's hometown must have the murderer's brought back the murderer brought back, from the city of refuge and hand over to the dead person's avenger to be killed. So if somebody murders somebody and they escape to a city of refuge, God says, God, bring them back and give them to the one who needs to avenge them and let them kill them so their blood can be shed. Numbers 35, 22. But suppose someone... Pushes another person without premeditated hostility. And throws someone uh, and, and throws something that unintentionally hits another person or accidentally drops a stone on someone. Though they were not enemies, and the person dies. If this should happen, the assembly must follow these regulations in making a judgment between the slayer and the avenger, the victim's nearest relative. They must protect the slayer from the avenger and they must send the slayer back to live in a city of refuge until the death of the high priest. So as we can see, God is against murder. He's against all violence. God is against crime. And how should God's children behave? 1 John 4.8 He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I'd say that God is love. What we are about to read is a description of of who God is. Alright, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. And this is how we should behave as well. Love is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud, and nor should we do because that's love. We shouldn't be that way. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Love, in other words, doesn't hold unforgiveness. Love is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. Thank you, God. Now, Matthew 5, 44, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. So God says we've got to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. You know, if you will do that, you'll walk in peace and you won't have any bitterness, resentment, or unforgiveness in your heart. One time I had a real problem of forgiving somebody. I don't have time to talk about it now. But after forgiving them, they do something else and do something else and I keep forgiving. And eventually I said, God, you've got to help me because I can't keep forgiving them. I just, it's a real problem now. And the Lord gave me that verse and said do good to them. So Pastor Biv and I decided we we're going to send the money every month. And the moment we sent the first lot of money we were free. It was like water our ducks back. I could not have unforgiveness toward that person. It was impossible. The moment I started blessing them I was just set free. All right. 1 John 2.6 Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. Look at that. Those who say they live in God, those who say they're believers in Christ, should live their lives as Christ did. 1 John 3, eight, But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. Who has been sinning since the beginning, but the God but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not sin because God's life is in them, so they can't keep on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is saying that a person who's a believer in Jesus and has God in him can't continue sinning and sinning and sinning. We might make mistakes. We all will do that. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about living a lifestyle of sin. No, we can't do that. It's not, I just, when I make a mistake, I feel bad about it. I'm sure you do as well. If we love our Christian brothers, verse 14, and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death into eternal life. If you love, it's evidence that you have eternal life in you. You can't love without it. But a person who has no love is still in death. A person who has no love in them is not born again. So I can't see people who have got Christ in them living like the devil's kids do and murder people. If somebody murders somebody, I can't believe that Christ lives in that person. I just can't believe it. But a person who has no love in him is still dead in their sin. Anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life in them. Paul is saying, somebody who hates another brother or sister in Christ is a murderer in his heart, and he's not going to heaven. That's what Paul said, Roger. Right well, oh, sorry, John. Yes. We're reading from the book of John. So, we who believe in Christ will be driven and compelled by the Spirit of God to help everybody in need. Even if they are not God's children, we are driven to help them in their need by the love of God. Should God's children pay for the behavior of Satan's children? Think about that. Should God's children pay for the bad behavior of the devil's children? For example, if one of Satan's children, let's call him John, burns Fred's house down, does that give another one of Satan's children, let's call her Mary, the right to burn Robin's house down who happens to be a child of God. So right, you got an unsaved man burning somebody's house down. So another unsaved man or woman gets mad about that and burns down a Christian's house. (laughs) Is Is that right? I mean, does God punish somebody for somebody else's sins? No. Here's my conclusion. God has given each of us a free will. God's children are not responsible for the choices of the devil's children. God's children are not responsible for the choices of the devil's children. The devil's children will obey Satan. They will steal and kill and destroy just like the devil. God's children will obey Jesus who laid his life down to give us life. God's children would participate in peaceful protesting. It's their choice. The Bible supports that. Peaceful protesting, standing with a placard, being sweet about it, that is fine. God will approve of that behavior. But God does not approve of people participating in riots with violence. The Bible condemns that. The Bible says people like that are going to burn the fires of hell. The Bible said that. Burning down buildings and setting cars on fire and killing innocent people And killing innocent little children. People go to hell for things like that, according to the word of God. God's children are not participating and should not and don't participate in that. People who do that are not the children of God. Those who do that are not children of God. They are children of the devil. Doing what Satan does. Kill, steal, and destroy. It's the government's responsibility to punish crime. God has appointed them for that reason. 1 Peter 2.13 tells us so. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So those in authority are supposed to be supposed to be punishing those who do wrong. And those in authority are supposed to be commending those who do right. Those governors and mayors who allow crime to go on in their cities need to be voted out of office and replaced with those who will obey God's instruction, which we've just read. Those who murder need to be punished by the law as the Scripture requires You've read the Scriptures. Those who commit murder, no matter who they are, need be punished according to the word of God. If the mayor or a governor instructs the police to stand down and not protect innocent lives and allows rioters to murder innocent people, innocent children, if the, go- the, the governor or the mayor allows rioters to murder innocent children, then the blood of those children is on the hands of those mayors and on the hands of those governors for telling the police to stand down and not do their work to protect people. Well, as you can see, I was pretty passionate about that. But, let the truth be told, I hope we can or wrap our heads around this church of God, children of God, understand what God says about all these things, and not be confused. All right, well, I love you all, (laughs) because God lives in me. I love you all. Hallelujah. And you love me too, because God lives in you. Hallelujah. Well, every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. Pray for me. Well, if you want to be sure you're going to heaven one day, say this little prayer with me, wherever you may be. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross punished for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save my life. And please forgive me for all of my sins. I declare Jesus as the Lord of my life. And from this day, I will live for you, Jesus, with all my heart till I see you face to face. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me as your child. Praise God, I am saved. I'm bound for heaven. Amen and amen. All right, family, we are going to continue praying for you every day, Pastor Bev and I. We sincerely love you, miss you like crazy. And uh, we are praying every day that you will prosper, be in health, and God's guiding you and protecting you from all danger, harm, and deception. And uh, until we see you soon, God bless you.